Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Sick Scribe. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are coming from. As you listen to this episode, I'm really thankful that you decided to join me on this final podcast of 2021. Can you believe it? I cannot believe at times that it's already at the end of this year, though there were times it seemed like it was time was standing still depending on what was taking place. I hope you had a Merry Christmas and I hope that you have a happy and blessed New Year as we go into this new year with anticipation and, and joy. Uh, some of us may be going into this new year with feelings of less than joy or maybe discontentment or discouragement or even grief for some people. And I hope that this podcast will encourage you as it encourages myself when I think about faith and life lessons I took away from 2021 that I'm going to share with you. And I'm hoping as you listen that it's causing you to look at your own life as well, that you're living for Christ and that you're taking some time to reflect on the areas where you're rejoicing and, and thanking God where he's helped you to grow, where he's sustained you, where he's um, lifted you up in the, in the midst of hardship, whatever that could be. And then the areas where you can see that there are weaknesses, you ask God to help you to grow in and, and to ever be conformed into the image of Christ by the Holy Spirit. That's our desire as believers is that we want to glorify Christ in, in all that we do in word and deed, we're, that we know those words and deeds don't save us. We know that we're created for good works by God so that we can glorify him in all that we do. And we know that our salvation is secure and, and sure in Christ alone. I was reflecting on personal growth this year and things that had taken place in my personal life and in my family, and I'm coming away with joy while being challenged in the midst of my weaknesses to press on and to set my eyes on Christ. And you may relate to some of these that I'm going to talk about. It's obviously not an exhaustive list by any means, otherwise we would be here forever and a day if it was an exhaustive list, but I encourage you to spend time taking some personal inventory and challenging yourself to grow and deepening your walk with the Lord. The one of the main things I rejoice in this year as I think about and reflect on faith and life lessons is a deepening love for the Word of God. That was something I, I really enjoyed reading the Word of God, but it wasn't until in 2020 and then really in this, this year that I started having a deepening love for the word of God and shaking off the malaise or the lethargy, so to speak, shaking off the laziness of reading the Bible, which unfortunately I was guilty of, or I was guilty of taking scriptures, uh, cherry picking and taking ones that uh, I really liked out of context or saying that they said something that they didn't say and misappropriating them. And you may have heard me talk before about biblical illiteracy. I was very much biblically illiterate when it came to understanding some things. And truth be told, I am still working on that. I think if we were if we were honest that we're all working on that there, even as I uh, read and study about different eschatologies, for example, I feel like sometimes my mind is spinning and I'm seeing the different areas, the pros and cons of all of them and trying to figure out where uh, I fit in as I listen to those things that nobody has it figured out except for the fact that we know that Jesus is coming back and that we need to be ready for his return. But you may have heard me talk about biblical literacy. 
and maybe you've heard the statistics or maybe you're, you're aware of the, the level of biblical illiteracy that's even in the United States, not necessarily the entire world, but in America. I'm passionate about biblical illiteracy or getting trying to get people out of that because of my own past. And I'm sure that you are the same way if you love the word of God. This year, I happened to stumble across a statistic of this year with Bible reading that it has gone up, which is a good thing. It used to be the majority of Americans never read the Bible, but now it's dropped to 29%. But at the same time, there's only 11% of Americans that read the Bible every day. And as Christians, when we do not know what Scripture says, then we are spiritually anemic and easily led astray by different things that are taught, by different doctrines. We're, we're prone to believe things that are people say that are in the Bible when they're not there at all. They're just catchy phrases or uh, colloquialisms that have been passed down. So this is something that we need to realize is a problem. And sometimes it's, it can be because we make excuses. I can definitely raise both my hands to make excuses for why I can't do certain things. I don't have time. I am tired. I don't feel like it. I've got this going on, that going on. But in the age and time that we live in, we really don't have excuses for not making time to spend in the Word of God. This is what is going to help us. The Word of God tells us that His Word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. And how can it be that in our lives if we don't read it or if we're not listening to it? You know, I know some people that don't like to read or that they don't want to take time to read. And my suggestion would be, well, you have a phone and there's audio on there now. There's, you can now listen to the Bible. There's times that I do that. If, I'm, if I know that I'm pressed for time and I can't sit down and actually read the Bible, then I will pull out my app, my blue letter Bible, and I will find what, what I'm reading on that day. And I will listen to it and make sure that I understand it. And if I need to go back later that night before bedtime, then I'll read it again. If there's something that I missed, or if there's something that caught my attention, or I'll re-listen to it again. So if you have um, an app on your phone, blue letter Bible is a good one that you can go to. You can listen to the Bible. That's one option for you. I'm finishing up a plan to read the Bible in a year, and that's the first time that I had done that. So at the end of this week, when uh, when 2021 wraps up, I'm going to have read the Bible in a year. Now, I don't say that to brag because obviously reading the Bible in a year doesn't mean anything as far as me knowing everything that's in the Word. But it's been a consistency that, that's been in my life to where I've been reading the Bible through in a year. Maybe you are coming into 2022 and you're thinking, I really want to read the Bible through in a year. I would encourage you to look at the different plans that you can find. There is the five-day Bible reading that you can find, fivedaybiblereading.com. That's the one I did this year. And you can go through the whole Bible in a year or you can just do the New Testament in a year. Maybe that might be something for you to do to start with. Just know that it's it's feasible to do it, and it's important as a Christian that we spend time in the Word so that way we know the what the Word says, and we need to understand that this is an important aspect of growing in our fellowship with the Lord. You know, sometimes, especially with the background I came out of, and probably some of you that are listening, if you've come out of a background where emotions or the mystical side of, of hearing the voice of God for yourself or having these encounters and experiences really having an emphasis on that 
or really not understanding what intimacy with Christ truly is, what fellowship with Christ is, and having a misconception of it because of not understanding the Bible, then you're going to think in your mind that reading the Bible is mundane. Now, it's not. I'm, I'm just telling you right now, it's not mundane. That the problem is not with the Bible. The problem is with us because the Bible is not mundane. That is part of my fellowship or growing in my intimacy with Christ. That relationship of wanting to to know what his word says and to love the word and love the one who is the word, as I've said before. So I encourage you, read the Bible every day. Read it five days a week. Find a Bible plan that you can do that you don't feel overwhelmed and that you are going to commit to it and read every day and, and have understanding. Maybe you don't like to read three chapters in a day or four chapters because you don't like to read. Again, audio Bibles are great things to do. Audio, the apps for the Bible apps are great. And you can find the different translations that you like. Find a good translation, a solid, reputable translation, whether it's word for word or thought for thought. You definitely want to find a good translation that you can either listen to or that you can read. I know for myself personally, I like to, I usually veer towards the ESV. I have an NASB. The second area of growth this year was in prayer. And my family had faced some trials this year at times. Uh, there were uh, the things I've talked about with my, my husband's uh, diagnosis of MS that he faced at the end of 2020. And uh, actually, he didn't get diagnosed until March of this year, but he had a lot of uh, health things that, that crept up and they seemed to come, come on pretty quickly and it escalated pretty fast to where um, it, it, was, it was difficult at times and it was emotionally um, difficult. I know for myself, though he seemed to handle it with a lot more grace than I did, but there were different things that popped up and it, and it's between what he went through, my children went through things, I went through things, there were a different accidents that happened along the way and such, just things here and there that, that added up and it seemed never ending. I don't know if anyone else, I'm sure that some, <laughs> there are many other people that can relate to that. It just seems like it, it's just it continues on and on. You're going, when is this going to stop? When, when is this going to stop? And the answer to that question is when you go on to glory in heaven, that's when it stops. Um, but though I don't want to suffer, I don't know anybody who likes suffering. Um, and I don't want to suffer. And though I don't want those I love to suffer, I'm, I found myself this year, uh, I know 2020 caused me to start praying in a different way and looking at biblical prayer through my pregnancy. But even into 2021, I really started understanding biblical prayer and I began to understand the important the importance of thanking God in the midst of suffering and not focusing on the suffering itself, but focusing on Christ and the examples in scripture of people doing that time and time again. I, I found myself thanking God through trials and suffering. And I came to a greater understanding of biblical prayer and leaning on the Lord. Uh, one of the accounts that really stood out to me as I would read through scripture about suffering and difficulty and trusting the Lord and leaning on the Lord was when Paul was giving his account in 2 Corinthians 12. And he's talking about how he had had a great revelation from the Lord. He was actually one of the people that had been taken up into heaven. And he had seen things that he was not even allowed to utter is what 2 Corinthians 12 tells us. 
And then he goes on to talk about how because of the great revelation he was shown, a thorn in the flesh was given to him, a messenger of Satan. And some people debate on what that is, but regardless, it it does, when I read it, it seems like it is a physical illness, a physical ailment. When I look and I put pieces of the puzzle together, comments in Galatians and different things, it seems like it's a physical ailment. Nevertheless, you notice that when Paul is talking about this thorn in the flesh, that he said three times, I pled with the Lord or asked the Lord to take this away. And we see that the response from Christ was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then after this is recorded that Christ says this to him, Paul goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for when I am weak, then I am strong. And that was him resting in the strength of God, trusting in the Lord to strengthen him, not relying on his own strength, not boasting in his own power because he realized he had no power because the Lord, he asked the Lord. You didn't see Paul again. This was another thing I learned this year during prayer. It was not something of commanding and demanding and decreeing and declaring and rebuking Satan and and such Whoever's listening to this may disagree with that, but I encourage you to go to scripture and try to find examples of that where we're told to pray that way because we're not, but looking at this and then, and looking at my own life, and I'm not comparing myself to Paul by any means, but I think we can glean from and be encouraged by fellow believers like Paul when he's, he's acknowledging his weakness, but his dependency on God, his strength in God of him pleading with the Lord, please take this away. And the response of Christ was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And when we read scripture, when we read this, we can be sure that this is God speaking and we can read this and be encouraged that when we are suffering, when we're going through physical disease or we're going through hardships in marriage or with our children or, or finances, jobs, when, uh, or um, in life in general, um, when we're going through hardships and, and most certainly when, we're, when we are being faithful to the gospel, to, the, to Christ, we're being faithful to Christ and, and for, through persecution and suffering, which to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think any of us in the Western, um, very few of us understand in the Western culture what it really means to suffer, to be persecuted for the sake of Christ. To, to have our lives threatened for this. We do, we do not understand true persecution. But still, there is levels of suffering that we all endure because we live in a fallen world. And the point is, is that as Christians, we are to rest and to trust in the Lord and to lean on Him and to realize that there's opportunities in the midst of those weak those times of weakness and the, in the t- times of suffering to glorify Him and to understand that He strengthens us, that we need Him. We need Him. Every hour of every day, we need him and we are to turn to him and to lean on him. And that's something that I've come away with this year, understanding the graciousness of God and that he perfects us in weakness. He's there in our darkest and most trying moments. He's not caught off guard by what's going on. I know that that we are because we don't know everything, but God knows everything and he's not caught off guard. He, He knows all things and he's faithful. He's faithful as we cast our cares on him. He's not sitting up in heaven thinking, I can't believe that this is going on. He knows he is aware of everything before it even happens. 
He's aware. He's sovereign. And we can rest in that. Even if we're anxious or have, we're, we're struggling in those moments. And if you're dealing with hardships and illness or heartbreak, I want to encourage you today, if you're listening to this, cast all your cares on him. The word tells us, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. If you're a believer in Christ, you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you realize that he saved you from the wrath of God, that he's cleansed you and that he's given you his righteousness for your sin and that he is your Lord and Savior and that you have the promise of eternal life through him alone, then you can be rest assured that if even if you're going through hardships, illness, heartbreak, whatever it is you're going through, you can cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Does that mean that it's all going to go away in in the in the snap of of fingers? No. That does not that's not what that means. It means that he is going to help you and to give you his peace, his joy that sometimes you you may get what you're asking for in prayer. You may get um the reprieve of whatever's going on and you may not and in those moments that you ask God God help me to endure help me to persevere help me to endure this God help me to grow in whatever this is that I am being ever conformed to your image Lord Jesus help me to be led by your spirit help me to glorify you in all this and to lean and trust on you and let me tell you something else that I've learned in in all this and in trusting him through the storms of life do not be afraid to be weak before others and before god it can be such a trap that we fall into that if we have a strong personality of uh or we don't want to be weak and i've had to deal with that myself is that weakness um you know, I would have in my mind, weakness means a lack of faith or weakness means that I don't trust God or weakness is, uh, is, is, is an undesirable thing to demonstrate. And if anything, I've learned the beauty of weakness this year before the Lord. And when it's time for me to, um, go to other believers and say, I need prayer or I need help. And really when we do that, that's not a lack of faith. That's us going and really demonstrating that we understand the strength of God. We understand the strength and of, of prayer unto the Lord, the strength that is necessary to be around other fellow believers that are also trusting in the Lord and to not do this on our own. So weakness is, is not something to shy away from. If you're doing that, I would encourage you, as I have to encourage myself, don't veer away from weakness and don't think that because you don't demand and command things that you're weak. You're not weak. We are to trust in the Lord. We are to lean on him. We are to petition. We are to ask. We are to um, go to him in prayer and, and trust him. Trust him that, you know, what we're asking for, that according to his will, he'll do it. That's what the Bible says. And in John, in first John, I believe when it talks about anything that we ask according to his will, he will do it. We have to be okay with God's will. So don't be afraid to be weak. And maybe you haven't done a study on what biblical prayer looks like and understanding the difference between decreeing and declaring and petitioning God, asking God, supplicating. Philippians 4, 4 through 6 is a great passage. It's one that I have turned to many, many times when I've had anxious thoughts and I've had to ask God, God, call my anxious thoughts. Your word says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, 
In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul tells the Philippian church in Philippians 4, 4 through 6. And I love the part of there where you're, where you're reading through that and you're seeing it says, make your petitions known, supplicate before God, bring thanksgiving along with it. Thank God in the midst of all that, of, of pain. Thank God in the midst of suffering. Thank God in the midst of hardship and difficulty. There's always a reason to thank God. And then when you've done that, it doesn't say that you'll get what you want. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That his peace guards your heart and mind that no matter what happens, he's God and that you've trusted him and he's good and he's faithful and he's worthy of praise and glory. So some things to think about with that. Biblical prayer was a big one for me this year, and I'm thankful for that along with the word. And those are very important as believers in Christ. A couple more I'll cover. Uh, The third one was learning and continuing to learn how to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Boy, I I don't know if I'll ever get this one down because I have a tendency in my own uh, myself, and if my husband is listening to this, he'll agree with it. Uh, I tend to think, I tend to say what I think. I tend to say what's on my mind and what I'm thinking. And sometimes that comes out really well and eloquent, and sometimes it doesn't. And there are many of us that have that problem. And uh, it can be a strength, but it can also be a weakness, especially if you hurt people with, with what you say because you're not watching your words or you're not being like James says, being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. This year has really helped me too. And I'm by no means arrived. There's plenty of of work that uh, progress there's plenty of progress that needs to be made in that area for me personally but one thing that's really helped me I know that God has used is addressing some of the topics that I talk about and when people disagree with me whether they disagree respectfully or they're not so nice when they disagree one of the things I've come away from that is learning how to to respond to people to remember first and foremost that I am representing the Lord Jesus Christ when I respond and I'm testifying if I'm testifying of him as a Christian then my actions need to testify of him as well and the times that I fall short of that and I sin and fall short because of you know having those moments of um, frustration or anger or not having my words seasoned with salt like I should then I'm I want to be quick to repent of that whether it's to my children or to my husband or to someone that I'm talking with and conversing with on, on social media or someone that on the phone that's, that's wanting to discuss some of these things. And that's happened before. But I want to glorify God in that. And I have to keep that, not glorify Dawn. That, now that's the thing that I have to remember is that I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to be prideful. I don't want to be arrogant. But I want to glorify the Lord when, when there are times that I have to be more direct then I want to still demonstrate the love of God through that while not compromising the truth in the process. We live in a culture where everyone has an opinion, and most of us are keyboard warriors at one time or another. I know I have been, and I'm sure you have been as well. (laughs) So all of us have been that way. It's much easier for us to be 
brave when we're not standing face to face with somebody. And one of the, one of the things I think of is if I'm going to say something on social media, am I willing to say what I'm saying in that tone to that person's face as I am by, um, behind my keyboard or behind my phone? I, again, I want to represent Christ. I know you want to represent Christ. We want to glorify Christ in word and deed. When we're opinionated, or that we hold strong convictions about things, it can be easy to become ensnared in that pride and wanting to be right. And another thing I've had to learn too this year is it's okay to eat some crow sometimes. That's an old saying about eat crow, but sometimes it's okay to be wrong and to, we need to be gracious enough to admit, oh, well, I really don't know as much as I should. And then to address that. And then when there are times that are people that are attacking you and they're saying, well, they just don't know. You just don't know anything. You, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, another thing I've learned is um, not only how to talk with people that disagree and still learning how to do that, talking with people and converse with them with who disagree and who I disagree with, but I am also understanding more about listening and responding rather than reacting. That's one thing. Um, we can react or we can respond. There is a difference. And also I'm learning that there are times when it's just not going to be fruitful to respond. And so I don't respond to every message or every comment or every email because if, if it get, gets to where it's going to be argumentative, sometimes it's best not to say anything because I know that the best, that the best things, the, the things that are going to glorify God or um, edify that person, they're not going to come out well. And it's, it's not going to be fruitful, especially if it's, if it's coming down to like a tit for tat type thing, or if it's coming down to trying to be a right fighter in the, in the sense of not getting anywhere. (laughs) It's a process. It's a, it's learning about how to talk with people and to converse while at the same time wanting to glorify the Lord and, and edify the body, edify the church when we're, when we're talking, edify other believers and point, point back to Christ always having Jesus Christ at the, at the forefront of all that we do, that we're wanting to, to glorify him in, in everything. And also, too, uh, one of the bigger things that I've learned is not avoiding confrontation. As much as I like to, to state my convictions on things or my beliefs or just my opinions, I mean, just because I have a belief about something the color of green, Kelly green is my favorite color. And I'm not adamant that people that don't like my color are the color that I like. People that don't like that color green are just horrible people. You know, that's, that's a, um, a trivial thing. That's kind of a silly one to point out, but sometimes we have opinions on things that we can take it to the point of, well, if someone doesn't agree with us on these simple little things, then I just don't want anything to do with them. And that can, that can bleed over into politics that can bleed over into other areas of our lives. And we've got to get back to this point of where we can talk with people that we don't agree with and, uh, not stay in an echo chamber. Uh, I, that's, that's another one that I'm realizing too, is, you know, in addition to not avoiding confrontation means not staying in your echo chamber to where everybody agrees with you all the time. That is not helpful. It's not helpful for everybody to agree with you all the time and to be of the same mind, as far as let's take social media, for example. Now in the church, we want to be, we want to be of the same mind. So don't hear what I'm not saying on that. I'm not talking about that. But when we're conversing with other people in the world, whether we know they're believers or they're unbelievers, 
we've lost the art of being able to talk with people and to truly understand what tolerance means, which does not mean that I have to agree with everything that you say and vice versa. But tolerance is actually respecting what someone um, believes, even though you may not agree with it, and you're still respecting that person because they're made in the image of God. They may not be a child of God if they if they're not a born again believer. And I know that some people will disagree with that. But when we look at scripture, there is a distinction made between a child of God and one that is not a child of God. But when you're talking with someone that you don't agree with, true tolerance is not you have to believe what I you have to believe what I say. And that's true tolerance. That's not tolerance. I can tolerate someone's belief that I do not agree with them at all and still respect them and still hold firm to my Christian beliefs and the doctrine of uh, salvation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not waver on that, but still respect someone and say, I don't agree with what you're saying. I respect you as a person, but this, this is not the truth, but I still love you and I still respect you um, because you're made in the image of God. And so I don't know if that's helpful to anybody or not, but we don't have to avoid confrontation and confrontation doesn't always have to be ugly either. Confrontation doesn't always have to be um the Elijah versus the prophets of Baal moment that has been misappropriated and abused ad nauseum to to try to pump up uh, believers and, and say that we're having some sort of showdown, for example. Um, yeah, so we don't we don't want to avoid confrontation, but we don't want to argue for the sake of arguing. And again, I go to um, being mindful of what we're saying, of having words seasoned with salt. That That's something that I've, I'm continuing to come away from this year, of having my words seasoned with salt, of wanting to glorify the Lord. I know I keep saying that, but that has to be at the forefront of, for us as believers in Christ, as disciples of Christ. We want to glorify Him. We want to point people back to Him. It's all about Him. The gospel's not about us. It's about Him. And so we want to point people back to Him back to the truth of the Word of God, which brings us full circle back again to the Word of God, understanding what is in the Word of God. Because you can't lead someone to the truth of the Word of God if you don't know what's in it. It's going to be very difficult for you to to explain to someone why this particular lifestyle is not um, in accordance with what, what the Bible says, with, with, with what the Word of God says, it's going to be really difficult to, you know, I would encourage you if, you, if you couldn't explain the gospel based on Scripture, which says that that's where the gospel comes from, if you can't explain the gospel to someone based on Scripture, that'll be a telltale sign to you that I need to start understanding the Bible better in that I want to be able to minister the gospel to somebody if I was in a position to do so, whether you're standing in a line at Starbucks or a, whatever coffee shop you like to go to, which I've had that happen to me a few years ago. And it was a impromptu uh, conversation I had with a, a lady that was not expected, but she was asking me questions. She had a different faith background than I did, but she was asking me questions and I began to share the gospel with her. It can be a, a simple thing of that. You're, you'll be in situations where that will be presented to you, that God will give you that that divine appointment, so to speak, that you're with someone. Again, God's not caught off guard by that. He knows that you are going to 
cross that person's path, what are you going to share with them? Are your words going to be seasoned with salt? If you don't agree with that person or they don't agree with you, are your words going to be seasoned with salt? Are you going to be able to leave that conversation with your conscience clean before the Lord in going, I leaned on the Lord and really wanted to demonstrate and to, um, the love of God to demonstrate the truth of his word and to, to, uh, testify of Christ, you know, leaving a conversation of going, my conscience is clean. And if it's not, then we do what we need to do to apologize, to make things right. And then to move on. So I know that's a lot, but those are some of the things that I've taken away from this year. And I could go on, you know, I've recognized that ministry begins at home. Uh, I've recognized that for a while now, but 2021, has been helpful in in understanding more and more that uh, even in doing the day-to-day things that I do as a uh, now a a stay-at-home mom that I have been for several years and focusing on homeschooling now even more, that uh, I have a ministry at home and that is of utmost priority. And it's, it's a it's a glorious ministry when you get to minister to your children. And some days don't seem very glorious. Sometimes that sometimes it can be frustrating, but you um, still, it's, it's a privilege to be able to do that. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to be a wife and to, um, to help my husband. You know, we, we've got to look at things differently that sometimes we look at people and say, well, I've got to be on a platform and I've got to have all these followers and I've got to have a microphone and I've got to have an audience to people listen to me and I've got to be a name and I've got to have all these things in order for it to be ministry. That is not ministry. And some of those, frankly, some of those people standing on those platforms, they're not ministering, they're acting. They're not ministering unto the Lord. They're, they're building empires unto themselves. There is a difference, and they're not feeding the, fl- the, the flock. They're not feeding the sheep of God. There are people that are starving the sheep of God, which is a sad thing. A ministry is not what we think it is many times, what we've painted it in, again, in our own Western mindset. I could tell you about the need to improve on time management, that sometimes I get sucked into the vortex of um, of social media, of looking at things um, on YouTube, or, you know, I get sucked into just wasting time. And while I recognize the importance of time management, I also recognize the importance of taking time to rest and finding that, for lack of a better word, finding that balance there of understanding it's okay to rest, but you also need to make much of the time that you have. And I'm sure that there are lots of other things that I could think of. But as this year comes to a close, these are the things that I'm coming away with in absolute certainty. I know far less than I thought I did. And I am far more certain of my faith in Christ than I ever was before. (laughs) That sounds like a a conundrum, doesn't it? Because I, I I come away from this year, and maybe you feel this way too, if you've been, if you've, you know, been studying in the word, or maybe this has been the year where God has brought you out of, out of some situation of deception, or that you're starting to see the truth, and you start to realize it's a humbling experience, really, when you realize that you don't know as much as you thought you did. And that was something that I realized in this year, uh, specifically was I know far less than I thought. I have so much more to learn. Um, I know some people use this term deconstruction in a different way, deconstructing from the faith, but I think that there can be a, a deconstruction from false teaching and the foundation can still be solid. 
if that person had a solid foundation of salvation, if that makes sense, and rebuilding to something that's that's much more firm and solid and rooted and, and grounded in truth. I know far less than I thought I did. But in that process of realizing how much I didn't know, I have become even more certain every day of my faith in Christ than ever before, of, and, and aware of my faith in Christ uh, to save me, to redeem me, to reconcile me, to, and to, to strengthen me in the moments that I needed uh, strengthening, which I can't tell you of any time that I didn't need to be strengthened by the Lord because in my own strength, I can't do anything. But resting in Him, trusting in Him, being ever more certain every day of my um, blessed assurance of my, of my hope in Him and continuing to remember to keep my, my eyes on Him even through moments of, of tears in, in, the, in my eyes when I've been in difficult situations, knowing that even if my vision is blurred by tears, I still want to keep my, my eyes upward in, in anticipation for Him. Learning how to give Him all the praise and glory for this year, no matter what took place. You know, He is worthy. The situation doesn't determine His worthiness. He's worthy. He's worthy, he's holy, he's righteous, he's mighty, he's kind, he's merciful, he's gracious. And, and not to be in a condemning way, because I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm saying this to you. But I, I think that sometimes we forget to focus on the attributes of God. And we're focusing more on what's going on around us. And remembering the situation doesn't determine who he is. He's already all of these things and focusing on him in the midst of our petitioning and praying and thanking him uh, for who he is, is, is very important in our lives. So I hope wherever you are today, you will praise him in all things and that your hope is in him. Um, no matter what kind of days 2021 has held for you, think of it as another day closer to seeing our blessed savior. This is, this is our hope that we look towards, is His coming back. And He's reigning right now, but He is going to fully reign on this, on this earth, and everything is going to uh, be made new. And he is, he is the one that we hope in. He's the one that we trust in. And I hope that you'll spend some time, uh, even for, you know, just for a little bit, uh, for, you know, for a few minutes or something, maybe thinking on this year and thanking God for areas, even if they were difficult, where you can praise him even in the midst of the, the storms or the trials. And also to ask God to help you in your weakness, to to strengthen you th- through faith in him, through trusting him, and to help you in the areas where you want to continue to grow in spiritual maturity. And as we leave this last episode of 2021, what better way to leave you than with the word of God I'm going to be reading from a short of two verses in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Be blessed today and happy new year. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Lovesickscribe. 
And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.